Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Below the Fold, where some of the best content is just a scroll away. Let me throw down some introductions. We've got Brandon Hassler, founder and CEO of Market Campus. Glad to be here, Jacob. Uh, you have no idea how glad I am that you're here, <laughs> especially since today Paxton Gray is out. Uh, he decided to take a little vacation to Florida, and uh, we'll probably give him a call a little bit later to get an update. Last we heard, there was a hurricane coming in, so we'll have to find out what's going on there. My name is Jacob Perry, Digital Marketing Manager at Vivint Smart Home. So, this week's episode, Brandon, I know you've got stuff to talk about. Did you hear Ed Fry is leaving inbound.org? I did not hear that. Just today, he did an AMA on inbound, uh, basically announcing that he's leaving and opening, up, uh, opening it up to questions. I was the second question. I saw it, I saw it pop up 15 minutes after he published. So I asked him why he's leaving. I said, "What what could that company possibly I can't even remember what company he's leaving to go to. What could that p- company possibly have offered you to make you leave in bad.org?" And he gave me like a four paragraph answer. <laughs> You'll have to check it out. Was it a good, a good reason? Uh, yeah, it's what's funny is at the very beginning, his like the first thing he said is, "I've been here for four years, and that's a long time in any company." And I'm like, four years? That's not that's not a long time in our industry." I guess you could say, a "Yeah, lot, that's a lot true. of people hop around." I, I, I've never had a job longer than four, or I've never had a job <laughs> for four years. So for me, yeah, that's long. But I don't know. Seems like four years is not that long. But, yeah, but you're right. In this industry, it might be a little bit longer than normal. And does he work for inbound.org or is it owned by, it seems like he works almost like with Moz. So my understanding is that inbound.org is its own thing and it got funding through HubSpot. So Ma, so uh, Rand Fishkin and Dharmesh Shah and uh, Ed got together three or so, three or four years ago and started discussing. And that's when they got their first round of funding from HubSpot. So, I mean, HubSpot and Moz are heavily involved in inbound.org, but I'm pretty sure it's it's supposed to be its own thing. Hmm. That's interesting. So he did an AMA about, like, hey, guys, I'm leaving. Ask me anything. Like, was there, like, is it marketing questions? Yeah, is he, it... he, like, bullet pointed, like, six things. He's like, here are the things that I, I would like to talk about, uh, you know, inbound.org, uh, content strategy. I don't remember what all. The last one was flying. I don't know. Hmm. I don't really know what that means. I know what flying means. I don't know what he meant by it. And he's staying in the UK. Uh, he, I believe the, so actually his, the office he's going to be working out of is in Paris, I think, hmm. which, which he, he made it seem like it was not a bad commute. Like he could go to work and be home uh, in time for dinner. I think it's the direct quote. Interesting. I'm just looking at inbound right now. Number one conversation going on. Yep. It's been number one all day. Goodbye, inbound. Very interesting. Um, Man, I wish Paxton was here because one of the topics that I hinted at last week, and then I got crap for making up a topic or pretending I had one, but I really (laughs) did. I wanted to talk a little bit about location, location, location. There's your title of the... uh, podcast there i think the last two you've gone off my well yeah recommendations do like go against what you're saying i mean (laughs) i'm just waiting i I should be thrilled that you're participating in in the namings of the (laughs) the episodes 
<clears throat> well, um, so here's the backstory. I was extremely bored a couple, not a couple, yeah, two to three weeks ago. It was like <laughs> late Saturday night. And just for fun, I opened up my Zillow app and just went to Manhattan and looked at uh, apartments for rent and didn't really have any filters. And immediately it was just like everything was between four to six grand a month in rent. And the, and, and, and the apartments I was clicking on, they were not that impressive in terms of the internal 4, structure. to $6,000 in rent per month, per month for an apartment. Yeah, and those were like uh, two, two to three bedroom apartments. Where in like Manhattan? Oh, Manhattan. Okay. Um. So, so then I did some. I'm like, okay, let me let me search for an apartment in New York, as if I was searching for an apartment with Utah. So I set my budget. Uh, I want this many rooms. I want these features. Manha- and nothing came up. Manhattan goes completely blank. Nothing yep. uh, available. However, then I you know I looked over like Jersey City had a bunch of places that were surprisingly. Uh, cheap compared to Manhattan, but nonetheless, that combined with oh, so here's okay. Now, now did, I remember. Did you forget now. to give me a piece of information? This is the piece. piece this is how it all ties together. So then I immediately went to Google and I typed in how do people in New York City justify the cost? Because I'm I'm doing the math. I'm like you've got to make a lot of money to have like a decent apartment to yourself, and like so I, it seems like everyone just has to bunk up with six other people and, and split rent and live off the floor, which I guess that's kind of the case. But I typed that question in. And I was just looking at really quick uh, at some of the conversations going on. A lot of people were saying how, oh, it's the, it's the resume, like working anywhere in New York City, being an intern in New York City is going to get you places uh, instead of being an intern in some city that no one's ever heard of. And people know that if you can survive the hustle and bustle of New York City for one or two years, then you're going to do great at their company. And then I started having all these flashbacks when I was at 97th floor. Uh, so I was a little bit more paying close attention to other agencies. And the thought always popped up, you know, I wonder if we would get more clients or if clients would take us more seriously. Not that they weren't taking us seriously, but would they take us more seriously if we were a New York or like LA based agency versus being, you know, in Lehigh, Utah, 20 minutes outside of Salt Lake City. What are your initial thoughts on that? My initial thoughts are yes. I think that uh, LA and New York have kind of a halo effect with the businesses that exist there, where prestige is typically associated with the bigger cities. Um, so th- those are my initial thoughts. So if there was an agency that pitched you uh, to do some work and they were based out of, I don't know, some place in Colorado and then another one that was in New York and, and you, you compare them, they're exact in every way, would you lean then just towards the New York agency? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> Pricing's the same. The quality is the same. No, I wouldn't. It's the exact same plans they're submitting. And the only difference is where they're located. Exact same team so size, everything. No, but that's not your. That's not really your question because I'm a marketer, so I would look at it from a marketing lens. I'd be looking through that lens, and I know better than to think, oh, just because they're in New York, they're better. So, but that's not the case for everybody, right? So, yeah. we're, that's like that's like marketing to a marketer, which is a very different story than marketing to someone who 
doesn't know marketing. And I think that there is, I think there's influence there for people who aren't, uh, really what I'm saying is I, I feel like marketers in some ways are pessimists, like, like their eyes have been opened to the lies of the world because they're the ones who are doing the lying, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but most people are still a little naive when it comes to online anything. Yeah. I, I feel agree. like things are a little off because I'm on the opposite side of the studio. I'm sitting where I, you normally sit. I know. Sit. I feel really in a weird place <laughs> right now. This feels very, very weird without Paxton here. Um, yeah, there was two angles. Obviously it's the agency side of would my business be more respected if we were based out of X city and then the employee perspective, someone who, you know, we live in Utah. I'm sure we have a lot of uh, listeners in Utah, but anybody who's listening who is not living in or near a major U.S. city and they're wondering, like, do I need to, like, move over to one of these cities where there's, you know, a lot of stuff happening with tech and business in order for me to have that top of the line career or can it be done? I guess it can be done, but are you working uphill? You getting your mark, your start in marketing, even just here in Utah, do you feel that you had an uphill battle in terms of your personal growth and professional growth versus if you moved to San Francisco? No, I think, I think it's easier here. Uh, I think that the digital landscape in Utah is growing, but I don't think it's gotten to the point of saturation as some of the other cities like San Francisco and New York, LA, where the competition is rough. Uh, no, I feel like it's been the opposite where you and I, I think got in pretty early, not, not like super early. It's been, um, it's been a few years since, uh, since we've started, but even in that few years, it's, it's, I don't know how much it's grown. I I know that Lehigh specifically is, is booming, uh, especially after Adobe, uh, came over there, they kind of set a trend and now it's like, everyone is just flocking to Lehigh. Like it's the gold rush, but I think I consider us kind of pioneers in the industry where everyone who's coming up now in digital marketing, uh, they're going to have it harder than we did. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? Yeah, that makes sense. I still think overall, you think it's harder here? No, 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 no. Overall, the industry is still very young in terms of digital marketing. So yeah, you're right. Actually, I will say this to your point. If I were, the reason I say that it's been easy easier and fine for me is because I've been getting jobs within the same Utah bubble. If I were to leave Utah and try to get a job somewhere in like New York, I think it would be harder. Uh, they would be, they would be looking at resumes from other people who are in New York, you know, and, um, and I think that there is kind of a, some influence there. People seeing my resume and saying, seeing, Oh, they're from Utah. Maybe not now. Cause Utah really is known I mean, like the Wasatch Front really is known as being kind of a tech hub now. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's garnered a little bit more respect. I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, why don't you tell me what you think? Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... I don't know. Like, I, I, don't I, know. I, I agree with you um, with all that. Like, I, um, I, I don't know. It's tough because there's more people in these bigger cities. So there's more people to network with and whatnot. But like you said, you're a very small fish in a very big pond, whereas here in Utah, you can be a big fish in a smaller pond. So tell me, 
if Market Campus were located somewhere else, like a San Francisco or New York, do you think that you'd be more successful as a business owner? Hmm, that's a good question, because I've thought about this question before early on. Uh, if we were in a city like New York, yes, you're going to be paying more and whatnot, but you could charge more for tuition, but you have a ginormous plethora of businesses or and, and startups and just individuals wanting to learn, like especially in a place like New York City. And whereas in Utah, uh, generally the population is very frugal and smart with their money. And so every dime that is spent, they think about and they analyze, uh, at least a, I think a large majority of the population. And, the, you know, it's people who want to do a lot with a little. So even though we have a big surge in startups in the Wasatch area of Utah, I... Um, I feel like people are a little bit uh, tighter with their money um, versus in Utah uh, compared to other cities. Is that a stereotype that you're you're running with there? um, I have talked to enough business owners (laughs) that I'll consider that my my research and surveying. And so data shows that uh, Utah is more frugal with their money. Even the difference between Utah County and Salt Lake County, Utah County is much more frugal. Yeah. So Utah is typically always on the top of the list of like the most successful small businesses too. Uh, Do you think there's a correlation between the tight wads and the fact that those same tight wads are being more successful than the ones who are throwing their money? Um, Well, I think think one of the reasons that Utah has a successful startup and small business is because of the networking, uh, everybody is like, I, I don't have experience like professionally networking in other states, but for the people I have talked to that have either moved or have been in other states trying to network, the, one of the most common, I don't know, compliments or I don't know what you want to call it, uh, is that people in Utah are very just like, accept like they want you in the network and it's very easy to get in. Whereas in these other States and locales. Um, yeah, in one of these big cities, there's, there's circles. You got to know someone. Like, you're never going to get in the same circle as Gary Vaynerchuk just moving to New York. And then, uh, you know, they have like their own circles. Whereas here, there's a lot of successful startup founders and whatnot that are still like networking with other people and they're very accessible. Whereas that mentality isn't as prevalent uh, in other cities. Not saying everyone's like that, but. So yeah, you have more people, but then it's more competitive is what it comes down to. I was looking at a fun fact, Salt Lake, if you live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and you make 70 grand a year, what would you say if you wanted to live that same lifestyle in New York City, Manhattan specifically, living there, what do you think you would need to make? What's a comparable salary? 300000 Ooh, that's high. Okay, it's, hang on, sorry. It's lower than that. I will say this. My original thought was 150000 160000 Yeah. But then I remembered the your stat about you know six thousand dollar rent, and I'm thinking, well, so they're going to need a lot more than 150 to afford a, a six hundred or a six thousand dollar rent every month. What is it? Uh, according to CNN, it is one hundred and sixty three thousand dollars. So your original impression right, so was one hundred and sixty was correct. One hundred and sixty three thousand for seventy thousand dollar lifestyle in Utah. Yes. And if we were to go, if we were to go to yeah, San Francisco, is, is you're going to make more in New York. They're going to pay you more. See, 
that's the thing though. You don't agree. Yes, the, the salaries are higher in like New York. San Francisco is 126,000 by the yeah. way, which that surprises me because Did you think it would be higher? Well, everything I read and hear is that San Francisco is more expensive than New York now with all of the you know, just the whole Silicon Valley area. But yes, you make more. The average digital marketer last I checked was just barely south of $80,000 for the salary. I think it's lower in Utah just because cost of living is it's so lower. low. But we'll say it's a little bit higher. So still, you're talking $90,000. And I've looked at jobs in these uh, different cities, like just hopping on Glassdoor and just seeing what the average salary is. And at best, if you're a you know big-time senior or director at a, a fairly big company, your salary is like 110 maybe 120 In Utah? No, in like New York City. Oh, okay. Um, again, there obviously there's people making a lot more than that, and there's yep. people making less. But if I were to move to New York City right now and even get a you know a hundred thousand dollar job or a hundred twenty thousand dollar job, I'm living a smaller lifestyle than assuming I was making seventy thousand. Obviously, comparing that, but I've heard arguments of like, well, you know, it's a different life. Like it you don't have cars, life. yeah, you so you're not paying cars. for that. No. I have thought about even here selling my car and just using Uber because I hate driving. Even though I live 10 minutes from where I work, that 10 minutes, I would like to be getting work done on my phone. Dude, get a life. You're going to pay for Uber? <laughs> but you think about wow, it. business must be booming. Okay. The fact that I have a paid a paid off car it makes it less motivating. But think about it. You're, you know, you're, I don't know what the average car payment is among an American, but let's say it's 250 a month or something like that. You got two fifty a month plus gas plus car insurance. You're going to spend less on Uber. If I had a, if I had Uber and a boosted board, a boosted I, board, yeah. Didn't you already pay for one of those? I have pre-ordered one, thousand bucks. Uh, the fifteen hundred dollar one, Woo! but I, it's a hundred dollar deposit, and if you change your mind, you can cancel and get your money back. You're not changing your mind. <sighs> I'm on the fence. I got a kid coming now, so now my uh, getting pressured to. Put the money towards oh, towards the, who's the children. You there? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> a little, uh, mainly, I don't know, a lot of it's myself. I just kind of feel guilty buying something that I don't really need when there are other needs. Well, but if it, if it's it, also so fun. What are you talking about, dude? You just said you were going to sell your car. You're saving money with the boost board. <clears throat> that's true. If I accept that lifestyle. Anyway, that's uh, that was my thoughts. Here's the question I have for Paxton. If we want to call him in, we could. Well, let's let's uh, let's call them in. You can pre-approve the question first. I just want to know. I know what you're going to ask. All right. What do you think I'm going to ask? I, you're <laughs> going to ask how what Paxton thinks about the location thing as it pertains to ninety cent floor or agency life or whatever. All Is right. Is that accurate? Close enough. So yeah, let's give him a call. Word has it he's getting hit with the call hurricane. Paxton. Yeah, I said that in my intro. Call so Paxton. oh yeah, just reminding that. Listener casually sitting there. He's going to step away from dinner. I guess I got to get close since. Oh, yeah. Come over. Hello. Paxton. What's up, man? Hey, so uh, we've we've let everyone know that you're in a hurricane. Oh, okay. But we don't really care about that. Brandon has a question for you. Okay. <laughs> We're putting you on the, the spot, Paxton. Okay. All right. So here's my question. Real simple. We're talking. Yeah. Give him some context. We're talking about location, location, location. 
and both from an agency or business standpoint, as well as just an employee trying to make it in the marketing world, uh, the pros and cons of living or working in a big major city like New York or San Francisco, L.A., compared to a smaller area like Salt Lake City, Provo, Colorado, Lehigh. yeah, Lehigh, Utah. So my question is, there's all sorts of angles that Jacob and I have discussed that you'll have the pleasure of listening to. Hmm. But uh, my question is, do you feel from your conversations with your clients at like 97th floor, let's say, do you feel that you would be more respected, questioned less if you were based out of New York City? Um, I'm going to say no, I don't. I do think that there's a lot of benefit to be had by being in New York or uh, San Francisco just because the ease of face-to-face communication helps to aid with things like, uh, you know, being questioned, I guess, or whatever. Um, It also helps greatly with retention rate, getting buy-off on new campaigns and, and lots of things. I don't think that there is inherent respect in where the company is based. Do you think you'd be able to charge more, not just because of cost of living, but just because people expect to pay more being in New York? Um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I don't think, I don't, again, like all things being equal, just because you're based in, in New York, I don't think that would allow you to charge more. Do you agree with that, Brandon? Uh, somewhat. Mostly agree. I still think there is bias in people's minds that if you were arguing with an agency in Utah or an, an agency in San Francisco or New York, uh, I feel like some people would be like, oh, they're in, like, it, even in people, people in Silicon Valley think they're smarter about tech just because they're in Silicon Valley. And so it's like, hey, we're based in Silicon Valley. We know we're, we're right across the street from Uber. Uh, don't question you know, us. And like I said, I think maybe that, that is a factor. But as soon as you start talking about things like, uh, well, here's, here's a client, here's our client roster. Here's who we do business with. Here's some campaigns we've done in the past. Here's our ideas for what we can do for you. I think all of that outweighs location to a, like a huge degree. Yeah, but like maybe that's a factor at the very beginning. But once you start getting the details, it stops mattering. Yeah, but what about the people who don't even consider working with agencies that aren't in those bigger cities? Uh, hence, you would never have that conversation. You'd never be able to prove yourself because they wouldn't even consider you. Um, I guess it depends on what kind of agency we're talking about here. We're talking strictly digital marketing agency. Um, there, I think there is, um, you know, it's good, like it's valid to want to work with agencies that are near you. Um, but if you're not based in New York and you say, I only want to work with the New York agency, like that's a stupid decision. And I don't think anyone worth their salary is making that kind of a decision yeah i agree with that although i think it does happen i think that i'm with brandon that i think there are people out there who have those types of biases that 
think bigger city equals more prestigious, uh, better uh, agency. Sure. Yeah, and, and like I said, I like I don't I don't disagree that that bias uh, exists. I just think that if you can start and and yeah, maybe it prevents you from even talking. But as soon as you talk and make community contact. I think that goes out the window as, as soon as it comes to like what the work, it, you know, as it gets to the work. When you have a, a chance to prove matter. competency. Sure. Yeah. And so, you know, and we get out there all the time. Like we're in um, conferences in New York. We're in conferences in San Francisco a lot. We have one coming up here in a month. And we get to that face-to-face time with those companies. And so I think at that point, it really just doesn't matter where we're based unless they want that, um, you know, I want someone across the street kind of thing. Yeah, no, so that makes sense. That, that's you, a disadvantage for you, sure. You talking to uh, SMX East in a month? Uh-huh. Uh, is anyone from 97th Floor speaking there? Uh, I don't know, actually. Well, are you going? Uh, I'm not, but I am going to Share 16 in San Francisco in October. Share 16? Never heard of it. My last follow-up question. Last follow-up question, and then we'll let you go get back to your delicious dinner. Um, and, you, right. and you kind of already touched on this, but 97th Floor already has a pretty impressive list of clients. Do you think that if 97th Floor was in or had an extension of the company in a place like New York City, that you would have even more bigger clients, like big national brands? Would it be easier being based in New York City to get those clients? Um, you know, it's hard for me to say without having lived in New York. So I don't really have a good, my finger's not on the pulse of what people think about that kind of stuff. I have my assumptions, but that's as someone that lives in Utah. And I've always felt like, you know, oh, New York stuff is cool. People, you know, it'd be awesome if we could be in New York. Um, so my hunch would be, yeah, I think we could. There are some more clients we could land. I really don't think that the big, big brands. I don't think that's a factor. Well, to come back look, to one of your they original look at points, some of the biggest brands and the agencies they hire, and they're all over the place. Well, yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I would I, coming back to something you originally or something you said previously about those companies that feel it's important to have a company nearby. I think by default, there are more huge companies coming out of New York that if they have that mentality, you would be landing those those companies that wouldn't be looking outside of New York because they want more face-to-face. They don't want to have to, you know, communicate yeah. via email or phone I, all the time. You know, and I think that that is more of a factor, the, the wanting the closeness when it's when you're looking at small and like medium-level businesses. Uh, I think when you get up to enterprise, it really doesn't matter anymore where you're located. Um, budgets are big enough to have face-to-face meetings regardless of where you're located. And it just and they're used to working with partners from all over the world. It's just it, I really think it's not that big of a factor for big companies. But, yeah, for like the medium ones where budgets are tight, you have to be close. And they're, they're, you know, they're relying on you for 10x growth. Like they want someone who's basically a part of their company, and uh, I think that's a lot more common with the small to medium level. I don't think it's really a factor at all for enterprise. 
Yeah, I, I might be able to get behind that. Fair enough. Thanks, Pax. All right, guys. Travel safe. Good luck. All right. Yeah. See ya. Paxton Gray, everybody. Stand-up guy. Oh, real stand-up guy. He's like a real Boy Scout, real-life Boy Scout. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. So, Brandon, one last thing before we close up shop. I was reading an article about the importance of thank you pages. There are studies that show that thank you pages are, are oftentimes the most uh, uh, the page that, that garners some of the, the best conversion rates. Thank you as in like confirmation slash thank you for purchasing. So not necessarily just purchasing, although yeah, but if you have if you're trying to get like them to sign up for your newsletter or something and you're trying to get their email address, they sign up, they give you your email address, and then you say thank you. I just read an article about how so many people are underusing their thank you page. What are your initial thoughts? I would I have say more to that say. I just want to know. No, I would agree. I uh, we were just actually talking about this a couple weeks ago in one of our Market Campus classes, um, specifically about confirmation emails. So typically, when you sign up or you make a purchase, they always send an email confirming your purchase or whatever the conversion was. And usually it's just like, here's the information. Thank you. Let us know if you have questions. Whereas, like you said, like the cool thing about anyone that's at that thank you page is obviously interested, uh, probably excited. And that's the time to take advantage. So we were talking about how there should be a call to action on those thank you pages. Don't just let it end just because you got the email or you got the purchase, but at least try to get them to follow you on Instagram or check out our uh, latest series on YouTube, um, or even just provide. I could see now you got my head spinning because I was I'm thinking about Market Campus's email collection. We don't have thank you page. Oh boy! But I could see it. Even though they're getting emailed uh, videos and stuff, it would be nice to as soon as they subscribe, they go to a special page where right off the bat it has a video or something of value, and it allows them to share that easily with their friends. And then you could still build in kind of an email form on that page for people who haven't signed up for the, pers- or I was going to say prescription, the <laughs> subscription. The subscription. Um, but yeah, I agree. I would say yes. I think a lot of people understand the importance, but I would definitely agree, much like 404s and all these other areas, like having a cool 404 page, um, there's all these areas that we recognize are valuable, but they typically get pushed to the side because of the... Uh, Assumed low ROI. Yeah. So on sjo.com, the writer named Saul, he talks about the thank you page, and he says this is the the opportunity to to, um, strike while the iron is hot. He says, I see entrepreneurs agonizing over email opt-ins, funnel sequences, product offers, and so on. Yet they totally gloss over one of the most important pages to focus on, the thank you page. The moment when someone agrees to give you their email, a non-trivial moment, is the moment when they are incredibly receptive to what you have to say. So basically, I mean, that makes sense, right? So the moment someone gives you their email, they're communicating to you, I'm interested in what you have to say or what you have to offer. And then a lot of people just either have like a quick little thank you page, like thank you, you know, we'll be in touch or something like that. And uh, many people are not taking advantage of the fact that the people who make it to these, this page typically are the highest engaged people on your website. 
It makes sense. Anyway, so having talked about this for the last five minutes, tell me what changes you're going to make to market campus. Mm, well, you're going to beef up your thank you page. Yes, I am uh, thinking right now. I know. Uh, well, while you were saying that, I was thinking, and it works with our course right now. As soon as you sign up for our online course, you're immediately like placed inside the learn. Like so. It's not you purchase and then click over here to start your course. You're immediately thrown right into the very first section of the first chapter. A video just starts playing just to get you to start learning. And I'm I'm thinking about app downloads uh, just because apps are getting bigger and bigger. And the frustration for a lot of people is I'm getting a lot of people downloading, but then nobody uses it after 10 minutes. And you probably have had the experience where you download an app, you're excited you skim through it, it was lame, and then you stop, use it, and then, you know, two weeks later, you realize you need need to delete it, and this is one of those things that Vincent Dignan was talking about at that growth hacking session uh, like a month or so back, and talking about the one of the big reasons that, like, Facebook, uh, or one of the big reasons LinkedIn blew up so quickly was because they made it very easy. As soon as you sign in, one of the screens, and they're still doing this, is adding your email contacts, adding your social contacts. And there's so many app developers that aren't, they're trying to build these like social or community apps based apps. And they're not pulling from the other networks. They're not making it easy for people to share and they give no incentive for them to come back. And so, um, little, uh, sidestep from the thank you page, but that mindset of, don't think that just because somebody gave you the email or that they purchased something that they're automatically a customer for life and they're going to love your product, you still need to keep selling people even after they've purchased something. So nurture your customers. Nurture your customers, not just the leads. And that is how you'll stand out among your competitors. Yeah, I like that. You guys do the, anything like that with, because Vivint, you got, they're sold, someone comes and installs is there any type of communication after that with Vivint and the homeowner? You mean besides when something goes wrong and besides when something goes I'm wrong and all that? Um, I don't. I don't know. I know that uh, there are surveys that go out. Like there's a survey I think goes out 12 days after install. Uh, but you're probably thinking further out than that. I don't. I don't think. I don't think so. But I don't know. Like, are they part of a? Do you guys have like a special list, even just with an email, where they're getting tips? on home security, oh, you know, on a weekly basis or a monthly digest on things like that that a I don't homeowner could so. use? Uh, the, the, the one thing I could uh, think of that may be going out is an email um, telling them about referral deals. So if you refer Vivint to a friend, you get 50 bucks off your next bill. Uh, there may be emails going out that share with them updates to the app, uh, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think our nurture campaign on email is as robust as it probably should be. That's a different department, so I'm not super privy to what they're what's going on over there. I got gotcha. you. Well, I do. I do need to make some thank you page changes first. I've got to make some. Uh, I've learned from Jacob today <laughs> after using the application Hotjar. That some of my visitors are going in circles on marketcampus.com. So my job tonight, before I go to sleep, is to fix the broken funnels. Okay. So one last thing, and then let's close up shop. Let's do tool of the week. And <laughs> I wonder what it's going to be. Hot jar. 
<laughs> Take it away, Brandon. I feel like Hotjar is super cool, and I've explained it to a handful of people this past week. And when I explain it to people, I just get blank stares. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. Um, and, and maybe it's because I overhype it because I'm so excited. But so, but yes, go to Hotjar.com. I wish I could give them the uh, referral ID at the end. Yeah, uh, but I don't remember it, and you don't want to listen and type that down or write that down. But yeah, hotjar.com is a, a really sophisticated analytic analytical tool. If you're familiar with Crazy Egg, it does all of that stuff, like the heat maps and scroll maps and whatnot, click maps. But also the cool thing that I think is fascinating is every visit that goes to your website is being recorded and you can hop into essentially like your DVR and yep. fast forward, rewind and watch every move of your customers, which... It's been really eye-opening just in the small amount of data that I've had on Market Campus because even though this data is technically in Google Analytics, uh, you, there's still a lot of interpretation involved. When there's a lot that's not in Google Analytics. Like yeah. when someone tries to click on an image that they think is a link and it's not, yeah, it's true. Google's not picking up that on kind of stuff that, that should I mean, be there if, but aren't. If Nathan was sitting here, he would probably tell you there's a way to do that. No but. way. <laughs> But to your average Joe who's not an, an analytics whiz, they're never going to track that. But, yeah, it's probably not a capability. But yeah, it's just nice it to have that visual. And so it's like I don't see a reason. If you have a website, you need to have Hotjar. The other cool thing was the uh, pop-up notification. So you can just ask super quick questions. You can make a multiple choice, and it just pops up. And... um you can ask like what's holding you back from purchasing people. So it's little surveys. You can do polls. You can uh -huh. do, and you want to make it as easy as possible. And I've learned over the last week, there's a lot of people who think Market Campus is expensive. So the other thing I'm launching tonight is a payment plan for the online course, especially internationally. A lot of people have requested a way to break up the payments so it's not such a big hit up front. So, so and boom. I probably wouldn't have done that push had I not had Hotjar telling me every day that people think check it out hotjar.com yes. actually i do have one more follow-up question with that and that is um nope can't remember it sorry i think it had to do a hot jar mm. well let's close up shop do you have anything you want to close with if you have any questions about digital marketing please tweet us at below the fold io also, let us know if this episode was particularly better because somebody was missing. <laughs> We're just curious. <laughs> and you can reach out again on Twitter at below the fold IO. Yes. Last thing I'll say, if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes. It helps out a lot. Till next week, we'll check you out below the fold. <laughs>